This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today's episode is gold. Carry gold. <laughs> Shrek and not shad. That's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> Matt doing Hannibal Lecter doing Bond. Uh, but well, we do have well gold. Done. We do have carry gold on. We uh, do. The, the real estate writer for the... Columnist for yeah, the Globe and Mail. Yeah. The Globe and Mail, yeah. So... Huge coup for uh, this uh, well-established podcast. That's and, for sure. Uh, we're, Wait, we're isn't sure. that Matt's line? That that is Matt's <laughs> line. But I'll I'll take it. But you know what the thing is 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 this is one of these episodes where we're kind of we're going inside the media. Yeah. And looking at how the wheels are turning. We talk about the media all the time on this podcast, but now we get like an inside scoop from the inside scoop. Carrie Gold. Carrie Gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, exactly. <laughs> that's what it is, You're right? You're reading that off a piece of paper, man? No, this I is know. good copy. This is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, but before we get to our interview with the Globe and Mail, it seems like everybody's on vacation. Again, I've said this before, but I, I keep an eye on social media, what the realtors are doing, and everybody seems to be on the beach. Yeah, no, everybody's everybody's on the beach. You were Last actually couple just weeks on, on the summer. You were on the beach, weren't you? You know what? I went out to Keats Island just for a night I've never over been the to weekend. Keats Island. Keats Island, that was my first time. It's a sleeper. It's awesome. The thing about it is it's about a 30-minute ferry from Horseshoe Bay. You get there. Everybody's got golf carts. Like, there's very few cars on the island. Uh, Beaches everywhere, really nice beaches. Beautiful, quiet, serene, and uh, still quite affordable, too. It's crazy. Like, we were looking at 
Uh, there were some for sale signs, so obviously we we're just kind of checking them out online. And still, you can get like a decent little cabin for two hundred thousand dollars on Keats. And the views. Well, you know, if you want to view property now, I think you're you're you know half a million bucks and up. But it's still like it's it's incredible value for you know when you look at other islands like Bowen and and stuff in the area. So really interesting place. Uh, definitely want to get back there. Huh. Sounds good. Well, yeah, no, you were you were on Keats. I was just uh, yeah. You were actually in the Globe and Mail. This is part of the our connection here with Carrie. We we got talking to her, and she's such an interesting woman, and she had some really interesting ideas about real estate. We were like, well, you're going to be in the Globe. Why doesn't why don't we have her on the podcast? Yeah, I was speaking to Carrie about uh, the market, and she was doing a story on on East Vancouver homes and speculation. It was in the, right. It was in the Globe this last week, and uh, yeah, even the the podcast got mentioned. So. Um, Another another solid coup for this well-established podcast. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Um, so, Matt, we, we've been talking about it a bit. Just a quick check-in and with the market here. Inventory seems to be pretty low. I mean, In, Inventory is super low. I've been working uh, straight through August here. And on the buy side, I'm feeling like there's a lot of frustration. A lot of people that are pulling their hair out here, they just want to get something, you know, get into a property and, and something uh, move good. on with their life. And it's kind of taken over and they're... They're just frustrated with uh, with what's out there, and and the stuff that's good is competitive. I mean, there's, still super competitive. This right? is a thing. I think there's a lot of demand um, pent up here, and um, I think it's safe to say that after Labor Day, this market's gonna it's gonna be a busy September. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too because like our phone, like we our phones have been ringing with people thinking about listing in September and and kind of getting the ball rolling on that. So if that's any indication, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of agents out there kind of with the same kind of patterns, you know, people are are thinking coming on in September and that's not surprising, right? No, I mean, that's we, pretty standard. We, yeah, I mean, August is usually snooze fest in the market and then we see listings ramp up in September and there's likely going to be a lot of buyers coming out as well, um, which, you know, it means we're probably going to be busy. That's for sure. Speaking of listings, We've we, have, a, we yeah. have not mentioned our listings promotion. Yeah, and if you're sick of hearing about the listings promotion, we get it. We've been but talking a lot gonna about be it. Hearing, <laughs> you're going to be hearing about it for the rest of the year, though, because this runs to the end of 2017. Reach out to us. We've got the best marketing strategy for your property. We're going to get you best dollar in the shortest amount of time. And we have an incentive for you. So get in touch. That's for sure. And Matt, before we uh, cut to our interview with uh, Carrie Gold, we've got our tip. That's right. Tip of the market to you. Tip of the market to you, Matt. Tip of the market to you, Adam. So Matt, today's tip is to understand the Strata Corporation's bylaws before you buy a place. Yeah. Makes that, sense. It definitely makes sense. And it seems easy enough. But you know what? I mean, if, you, if you're really interested in how to comb through the Strata documents, go check out episode 25 cool. where we were Strata Doc detectives. Oh, right. right I was yeah. uh, a young Serpico to uh, my counterpart, uh, the commish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> First of all, everybody everybody who gets those references will be over forty, I think. Right. But uh, no, I was I was uh, Sipowitz. You were, sure, you I was were, not the commission. <laughs> you were a young Sipowitz. But anyways, we we definitely uh, we definitely unpacked that in that episode. But yeah. you know, it's it's more so just to reinforce this idea that you know what if, if you're looking to to have a specific type of rental property, maybe short term, you know, or a furnished rental, or, or even e- the ability to rent it if you if your life 
uh, circumstances change. Exactly. Make sure that you really review the, the bylaws. The other thing is there's a lot of buildings that have restrictions, whether it's on a, a certain percentage allowed to be rented at one given time or tight restrictions on durations or, or types of rentals, right? Yeah. Um, this also goes for pets. It goes for renovations. I mean, we see all the time people that are in situations where they just didn't correctly review the bylaws and now they're in a, in a, in a, period where you know the strata is actually cracking down and you can really find yourself in a difficult situation and i mean it's it's not easy yeah and one thing we should say and you hear this all the time i mean showing properties is there's a certain segment of listing agents who right uh (laughs) will remain nameless (laughs) will remain nameless but i mean often the line is well you know hey why don't you forge ahead on this and and then you get on strata and you can just uh work to change those bylaws yourself yeah and in three to six years (laughs) you'll be able to have that dog that you have now yeah exactly (laughs) like that's the one the other one is don't worry about this strata it's a really laid-back building that's what you want anyway everybody's cool here dude don't worry about it yeah both of those pieces of advice horrible advice horrible yeah, Horrible. no, you, you got to understand what you're getting into. If it's in the bylaws, it's very hard to let somebody, to allow somebody to be exempt, you know, and, and to change a bylaw, it takes a three quarters vote. So yeah. it's it's not easy. And like uh, like we always say, strata buildings are living, breathing things. They're changing all the time. Right. Uh, you don't want to be breaking the rules. Absolutely. Too um, much risk. Too much risk. So great tip, Matt. So why don't we get to our interview yeah, with... Tip, uh, so you, great tip, Adam. No, I was saying great tip, Matt, brought I, to us by Adam. <laughs> you, you, missed, you, missed, you missed the point. Uh, but anyways, we've got a fantastic journalist with us today, Carrie Gold. I'm really excited about this episode. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Yeah, she's fantastic. So why don't we just, uh, without further ado, let's cut to our interview with Carrie Gold. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Carrie Gold, real estate writer for the Globe and Mail. How are you, Carrie? I'm good, thank you. Great, great. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, can, thanks for taking the time. Can you start maybe by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I've been a journalist for about 20 years, I guess. And let's see, more than 20 years. And um, I started out at the Vancouver Courier. And then I went to the Vancouver Sun. And I was a columnist there in the art section. And then I did, I was the music critic for 10 years. And then I left the sun and went freelance and started writing for the globe. And I've been writing for the globe for 10 years. So I've been writing a weekly uh, real estate and housing column every Saturday. And I also write other business pieces for the globe and I write for magazines and I ghostwrite books. I do all sorts of stuff. It's really fun. You had a really popular article about a year ago in, or a year, year and a half ago in the walrus, right? Most yeah, read article of all time? In the Walrus's history, that's what the editor told me, yeah. Wow. So they were very, very pleased with that. Um, and it was a story that he'd wanted told for a long, long time. This is Jonathan Kay, the former editor. And um, right. he just couldn't find the right writer to tell it. Because he wanted somebody who'd be uh, just really honest about what's going on in Vancouver. And I said, for sure, I can do that. Because I'd already been writing pieces for the globe about uh, the rampant speculation and the foreign buying that had been going on in the city before most journalists were. Um, I was one of the first for sure. Maybe the first, I don't know. But yeah, I was totally game to do that story and it worked out really well. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. I remember reading it at the time. Um, Did 
did real estate find you or did you go looking for real estate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I've always been interested in real estate, but it is a pretty big departure from uh, music, from rock music, which was what I was covering before. But um, it kind of found me because when I approached the Globe uh, to write for them, I just started writing for the real estate section pretty instantly. And, um, you know, they needed a Vancouver person, basically, because my editor's based in Toronto. So they needed somebody to cover the, the, the Vancouver, the BC real estate scene. And yeah, it, it just felt like a natural fit. I mean, to me, real estate is kind of a, it's, it's the new rock and roll for Vancouver. It's, it's a sexy topic. You know, everybody wants to talk about it. We're all very proud of any real estate purchases we've made. I mean, for a while there, it seemed that everybody was quite ecstatic. They were giddy with the, the equity that they're making. And then it sort of became like a bit of a, uh, of a horror movie. Like suddenly everybody became terrified, but it had gone too far. The monster we created was out of control. So there was definitely a turn. And so it became more and more interesting uh, a beat to cover. At the beginning, I wasn't sure, but like any beat that you take on, music or real estate, whatever, as a journalist, it takes a few years to get going, to get confident. And uh, and then I, I soon realized this, this was actually a really interesting beat because housing is, for most of us, like it's our biggest investment. It's, it's a human right. It's, it's a huge topic. It affects everybody. It's universal. So... There were so many angles I could cover it from. It was, it's really, it's just become, it continues to be fascinating. I don't think it's ever going to stop. Well, I know everybody in this room looks like a rock star, so that, that makes sense. Uh, we were also worried about having topics to cover on a weekly podcast when we started two years ago, and it's proved uh, Otherwise, a fairly yeah. fruitful well yeah, to keep going it never back ends. to. It's so true. It just doesn't end. It just keeps getting more interesting and weird. I mean, we really are a freak show. It turns out that we are at the epicenter of weirdness when it comes to real estate. Vancouver has become like a topic internationally. I mean, I'm getting emails from Seattle right now because they're going through basically where we were at, you know, a couple of years ago. So they're fighting over the question of home buying and empty homes. And it's almost a civil war breaking out down there. So we've been there and they're, they're looking to us for advice, for guidance. What do we do with this? And they're, they're really watching what we're doing. So speaking about that, the weirdness of our, of our market, we get this question all the time. Do you think Vancouver is is a bubble? Uh, no. I, I think it looks like a bubble, but I don't know why it would be because I can see it going up and down and, and fluctuating, but I can't see it completely bursting. I mean, I could be proven wrong, of course, but I just don't see why it would. I think there's such strong demand for Vancouver, and I think there's so much money already here. Yeah, I, I just can't see, I can't see why it would be a bubble. I mean, we saw 2008, 2009, things can collapse. But even for Canadians, it didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. And for Vancouver in particular, yeah, I just don't see it. I, I just think it'll continue to sort of just go up and down. And it'll go higher, you know, like it did just recently a couple months ago. And then it's going to come down again. But, you know, next spring could be high again. I, I think we could go this way for quite a long time. That's just my own hunch. I've talked to so many economists and they don't know either. I mean, really, nobody really knows. Nobody saw 2008, 2009 coming. Nobody saw that downturn. I mean, there were a couple who called it for sure in the U.S., but mostly nobody saw that because it had never happened before. But 
I personally don't see it. I think this is our normal state of affairs from now on. I think this is the new normal. Yeah. So speaking of the new normal, and you mentioned the monster of our creation that kind of uh, has got away from us. How has the market changed since you started covering real estate? Well, the market has gone bonkers. I remember one of my first stories was about how some family had to purchase some ugly house on the west side of Vancouver at Point Grey. And <laughs> it was almost like how tragic it was that they had to buy like a 1980s Vancouver special. And, you know, now I'm thinking, boy, that was the smartest move they ever made. Yeah. <laughs> the house is probably worth $5 million. So, yeah, I mean, the market has gone bonkers. And I think especially in the last maybe three or four years, it's taken a turn uh, that none of us would have predicted. It's It's gone particularly insane. And I think there's stuff happening that the average consumer doesn't understand. I think even realtors are confused by it. I mean, we've talked about the condo craze. I don't know why, why that's happening, but it is. Um, I was talking to a commercial realtor yesterday who said that farmland is being snapped up. And I mean, what do you do with farmland? It's, it's not usually developable, but people are buying it and holding it. They're becoming holding properties and they're selling for, you know, eight, $10 million for 20 acres. There's all sorts of weirdness happening. And I think we don't know the half of it. I think residential is just part of it. It's just mm-hmm. one piece. So I think the market has just entered a level of weirdness is the only way I can describe it. I know Ian Young at the South China Morning Post called it a freak show. And I, I tend to agree with that. Right, right. What about the media coverage of the industry? How has that changed in the, in the past uh, 10, 15 years, Carrie? Well, when I started out, and like I said, I started writing about I actually had a bit of a deep throat in the industry, um, an industry analyst who worked for a lot of huge developers. He was telling me off the record things um, that I should be looking at. He said, take a look at local incomes. You've got to look at incomes in Richmond. They don't add up. They, you know, the average income they're um, being declared is like $43,000 a year, but yeah. the average house price is you know, crazy. So he was the one who started pointing me in in this direction of weirdness <laughs> that stuff was not making sense. And so I started looking that, at that and I started writing about it and I discovered David May, the professor at UBC, who's been studying Asian investment in the region for, you know, about, I don't know, maybe 15 years. I'm not sure. He, he's been studying it longer than anybody. And it became clear that there was this, this huge problem of um, outside money coming into the market and it wasn't being written about. And so I started writing about it, but it was kind of, I was working in a vacuum. It seemed like nobody, uh, people were noticing, but they hadn't really thought about it or nobody had articulated it. And so, um, but really it, it was not a journalistic topic for many, for a couple of years anyway, for like maybe three or four years more. I mean, people like Doug Todd were writing about it, the Vancouver Sun and Ian Young at the South China Morning Post, but we were really it for a long time. And now it's everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, so if you were essentially one of the canaries in the in the coal mine there, was it that you were one of the only people noticing it, or was there not an appetite for those types of stories at the time, or, or what shifted? I think it was a t- kind of topic that made a lot of people uncomfortable because, you know, BC doesn't have the greatest history with, with um, when it comes to how we've treated the Chinese people way back with a head tax and everything so that a it made people uncomfortable to approach that topic and then 
I think also people were listening to industry data that simply was not accurate. Um, we were being told numbers that didn't add up, that weren't the reality at all. And so they might have been listening too closely to those numbers. I think, you know, maybe people just weren't paying attention. I mean, I know I wasn't really. I knew something, prices were getting out of control, but I didn't really look at the why until I I had to, until he took it, I went to the trouble. And, you know, it didn't even take too much digging. You, you can see it's, like I said, Richmond, how can the average income be 43000 and the average house price $2 million or whatever it was? Right. Something was driving the market and it wasn't local incomes. And that alone told you something was uh, out of whack. And then talking to Dave Lay and academics who've been more paying attention, it just became really clear. And it became really clear that this was a topic that needed coverage. We were completely missing a story. And it took a lot of convincing. Even writing those stories, you know, people, it took a long time for them to be convinced. When I wrote the walrus piece, which was 6,500 words, it exploded, I think, because I got a lot of emails from people saying, thank you. I thought I was going crazy, that kind of thing. And, and this is exactly what I've been thinking, but nobody's been saying it. So in that piece, it just took everything and put it all together. But yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of, it's been a journey and it's been a challenge. Even today, there are people who who aren't completely convinced that foreign money is playing as big a role as it is, or, or they don't want to acknowledge it. Right. So just another media question, and we're, you know, we're always talking about it here. So you, Jonathan Kay told you that that piece was the most read piece. Obviously, with the internet, you can track things a lot more clearly than maybe if they were just selling, you know, magazines. In terms of social media and kind of click baitiness, has that shaped? I mean, the Globe uh, presumably is, a, is above some other media channels in terms of going after that kind of clickbait stuff. But has that shaped the real estate landscape in terms of media coverage? Uh, yeah, it's like anything in newspapers, you know, um, anything that drives traffic is, you know, obviously topics, you know, like that are going to be covered a lot. I mean, I think I heard somewhere that I think real estate is the second biggest driver of traffic. Um, I can't remember if it's federal politics it's first, but yeah, it, it's a big driver of traffic. Like I say, housing and real estate are huge topics for people. It hits close to home and yeah, I think for that reason alone, I mean, there's a lot of coverage. Yeah, no, the Globe isn't uh, going to cover it in a tabby style. The whole aim of good journalism is to be balanced and fair. So that that's always the case. I think the Globe does a really good job of that. I think the Globe has done an astounding job, actually. Was Kathy Tomlinson came along. <clears throat> she was hired a couple years ago as an investigative reporter. And, you know, she blew open a whole bunch of stuff happening in real estate that hadn't been exposed before shadow flipping yeah 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 that whole what was the relationship i mean because we've never spoken to kathy tomlinson but obviously she would had those you know the stories that made the big splash last spring were you guys in in constant contact on that or because presumably it was your beat and she was reaching out to you yeah she reached out to me and we chatted for sure we chat both work for the globe so we talk about real estate she's moved on recently to other topics but her, she is an investigative reporter, so whatever she she'll cover whatever needs investigation. Right. But she started with real estate um, because she saw a lot of, you know, potential there, and her instincts were right. And she's an amazing investigative reporter. And uh, yeah, she started, 
you know, looking into the data and, you know, she put together, you know, what was happening. I mean, nobody really understood that homes were being uh, assigned and sold for a lot more money. And, you know, all because of, you know, what she did. I mean, that all led to legislative change, right? I mean, we wouldn't have had, um, we'd still, if it weren't for those stories, you know, maybe somebody else would have blown it open. But if it weren't for the media, I can safely say we would probably be still dealing with shadow flipping. It would not even be a term. We would not even know about it. Right. And, yeah. uh, and who knows what else, right? I mean, there was the, that, um, that one real estate agency that New Post, I can't remember which one she was. Yeah, 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 that was I've got to get it right. Yeah, New that Post? was the one. Yeah. yeah. Now they're still going, but that was a revelation. And that did change the public's perception of your industry. <laughs> right. And it's like journalism. There's great journalists and then there's there's bad ones. And same with your industry, right? I mean, it made the public aware. And that's a good thing. You should always want people, consumers, to be aware and to be skeptical. You should want them to ask questions and know what's going on. And I think when we get too complacent or we just sort of too trusting, sketchy stuff happens. And, you know, I think that there needs to be more, actually. I think we're, we started, but I don't think we're by any means well into it. There's a lot more that should be dealt with. I don't know if you guys agree, but... Hey, we're all for transparency here at the Vancouver Real yeah. Estate Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I know I'm totally biased, but I think the media has done a great job. I think that we've we've certainly been relentless. You know, those of us who cover this beat, um, Sam Cooper, you know, people like that. I mean, we've been relentlessly hammering away at this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think there's way more that needs to be said. And I know that, like they say, if, you know, somebody's not angry or, or ticked off with you, you're not doing your job. And I <laughs> oh, do in terms of media, that. I was going to say, I thought you were talking about real estate agents. Yeah. Like, no, media. <laughs> Wrong. And we're, we're doing an excellent job. Yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Carrie, so kind of speaking about that, that there's a lot more themes and that need to be discussed. Are there any overarching themes or narratives in the Vancouver real estate media coverage? Yeah, I mean, I know that there are themes that, I don't know if they're in the media, but I know in the public there are certainly themes. Um, really, it comes down to, like me, for me, because I'm a columnist and I can be more opinionated, uh, one theme I look at a lot is the loss of character houses, and, and uh, which I think is a, taking a huge, our, our culture, our history is taking a huge impact because of it. Character houses are also affordable. I think it's tied in affordability. Old house, old buildings, basically. Mm-hmm. And also, I look at supply. I know there's an argument that supply, we need more supply. And I agree with that to a point, but I don't think it's a, a solution to itself. Those are kind of like, I deal with those topics a lot. But, you know, there will be other columnists who focus on something else. It's kind of an individual thing. Things that the media look at. I mean, obviously, money laundering, any criminal activity. Mm-hmm. that's a big one you know i think that there's been some excellent coverage on that too but yeah i mean it's really just what readers want i mean it, an interesting story is an interesting story and uh i mean that's how that's how we work we always have the reader in mind what you know right. serving the reader and it's a tough one you have to really make sure you've got good sources and can you maybe walk us through writing a piece for the globe uh i usually come up with my own ideas and then I'll go out like the one I just did on 
the market and the strangeness of the Vancouver market right now. I went to I went to a whole bunch of open houses and I just I lined up viewings. I'm out a lot meeting people and talking to people. And then I just like right now I'm doing another piece on industrial uh, real estate and I've done a ton of interviewing. And now I've got pages of transcripts and in the process of structuring that story. So yeah, and after interviewing a whole bunch of people, what becomes clear is something that is emerging. And in that case, I found data that the prices of industrial have gone really high. And so that's going to be my, my angle for that story. Do you, do you tend to rely on, on realtors and other people in the industry on the, on the ground level for kind of the anecdotal information? Anecdotal information, sometimes, yeah, I rely on them more for expert opinion and numbers, but for the anecdotal stuff, it tends to be more, I, I like human interest stories. I like to know what people are doing and how they're living and how they're surviving. And so I'll, I'll tend to go to like just the average Joe type of person. Like the one I did about the city, you know, purchasing a house on Victoria Drive, leaving it left empty for 18 months so that they can tear it down and add it to a park. I remember that story, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I actually I, called on that house because it, it was on MLS, I believe, right? To uh, In order to get the price they wanted from the city. Like the city was a multiple. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure out because I asked the realtor if it was on MLS and he wasn't very clear about that. So that was kind of a strange one. But the whole thing was strange. It's like, why do you have an empty house when you've got a vacancy tax in place and you're complaining about empty houses and yet you're got one of your own it's also a character house which you're planning to tear down and yet you're trying to save character houses this violates a lot of policies i don't get it um so that one though it was really interesting too because all those people in that block had not been informed that the city was in the process of buying their house of wanting to buy their houses and tear them down now that's weird imagine if you didn't know that the city wanted to tear your house down and that was their long-term plan and it was a city slash park board. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just saw interviewing the neighbors was and hanging out with them in the park one day. And, you know, that makes the story more interesting. I think we all want to know what other people are doing. We're very voyeuristic. We're very, we're very nosy as a species. So I think that's just what reporters do. Yeah. We're basically nosy people. And like, so the germ of that story, if that's the right word, like I called on that house for a client. So I know that. Yeah. And then I remember reading about it. Like, how did you get to that starting point of, hey, there's this house sitting vacant. It's owned by the city. Like, how did that start? City staff person tipped me off. They are, there's some unhappy city staffers who <laughs> are wonderful sources for reporters. And one of them um, called me and said, you got to look into this. Because we wow. have a bunch of houses sitting empty in the parks. That was only one. There's a whole bunch. There's others they've purchased and um, demolished uh, for park. And Trout Lake is a huge park. And having an empty lot in the middle of a block doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It's just the whole thing. was. But that story took off. That was a really, a lot of people were quite shocked by that story. But that, yeah, no, that came from a, a bit of my deep throat. Another deep throat. Was it? How, how many, <laughs> you have a lot of deep throats. Is that, is that a huge part of your job is, is cultivating those relationships? Yeah, it's a huge part. And you don't get them too often, but I, I think, again, that takes that, that's what happens when you're around for a period of time. People start to know you. They know what appeals to you, and they'll call you up and tell you stuff. But, yeah, no, and this isn't just, you know, city staff types. This is, like, 
people in the development community, the real estate community, they will tip me off to. And they'll tell me things off the record that are interesting. Going for coffee with people is a very valuable uh, resource as a reporter. And, and when you have a beat, you have to know all those people. You have to establish good relationships. You can't, you know, that's the most important thing you can do is get out there and know people. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not just consumers who are disgruntled with what's happening or angry that we've become a wealth-based economy, not an income-based one. It is uh, the development community, too, and the real estate. I mean, these are people, everybody's got, you know, people have kids. They're worried about their futures. They don't like to see what's going on. They don't like to see everything becoming unaffordable. I mean, sure, they're short-term gain, but long-term, where are we headed? Yeah. Well, and I think it yeah. scares a lot of people. That's an excellent point. I mean, we've talked about it before where, you know, where there's a lot of negative attention to people within the industry and it's like, we've got to live here as well, right? I mean, we have to buy buy yeah, a home yeah. as well. And it, it, our family and friends all live here. <laughs> one yeah. deal doesn't, doesn't make it any easier. Um, I know. So, it's uh, true. And, you know, if you have a house and yeah, you get millions of dollars for it, well, that's great. But I mean, you also want neighbors and you want a community. I mean, sure. what's the whole point of living in a city in a house if you don't have those things around you? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Unless you're cashing out, right? But, you know, we're too young to cash out yet. Maybe in 30 years we'll think that way, but right. yeah. What about maybe, we often talk about how the media shapes the market. What are your thoughts on that? Do you see that? Media shaping the, the, the actual market. Like yeah, the market itself. Impacting, you know, may, maybe making people pull back, buyers and sellers pull back. Like when Kathy Tomlinson's article hit on shadow flipping, there was definitely, you know, an investigations going on. People definitely were at a period where they were like, what's going to come out of this, you know? And it almost creates a bit of a, a holding period or people move to the sidelines. Or, for instance, there was yeah. another one where... There's the the guy who's shorting the market. I think he's kind of weathered oh. out now. But in January, we fielded maybe 10, 20 calls from people that were panicking, uh, reading those, hey, the market's going to drop 80%. Sure. And it seems like the, the media does have, although they didn't actually impact it in the end all that much. Right, but, right. But yeah, we were thinking about that kind of <laughs> angle. I think, yeah, I think, I think to a degree, I think if you read a story that, you know, interest rates are going to go through the roof or something, but... You know, for the most part, is it the media or is it the policy makers? Is it the, you know, the people at the top who are, who are um, like the 15% tax? I mean, I do believe that came about, the foreign buyer tax, I believe that came about because of media. I think that we definitely, definitely exposed a lot in the market and that only happened because of media and because of public pressure that resulted. So I think that in that indirect way, we influenced the market because the tax definitely at the top end anyway and as we know it's kind of rebounded and who knows what's going on but yeah to a, to a point i think the media indirectly can have an impact i think for sure but only in the reporting of what's going on i don't think that the media has the power to i mean we don't really have any power beyond just basically conveying the reality of the situation i mean that's what we're doing i think that there are a couple of people though you mentioned one guy uh, and there's another guy who does this too. That they, they've been calling for a bubble to burst, like for the last ten years or something. Right, yeah. And it's like you know, I guess that one, one day they might be right if they keep going on about it. But yeah, I think that there are people who pay attention to those guys. That you know, the sky is falling kind of thing sometimes. But you know, I think for the most part, if you look at how the market's doing, I mean, it still seems pretty robust. I don't think 
I, I think there's other courses that are having much more of an impact on the decisions people are making. Uh, I think interest rates, I think government, you know, who's in, who's currently in office right now, I think stuff like that is having much more impact than anything the media says. For one thing, the media can be incredibly conflicting. We come up, there's so many conflicting reports sometimes. I mean, I myself am kind of surprised that I'll read something and then a completely, you know, opposite perspective in, the, in another paper. Do you know what I mean? Like, the media isn't, it's not one cohesive viewpoint. It's right. not... There's a, it's not a unified front. <laughs> right. It's, it depends who you read. It depends. Most people, you know, they see what they want to see. If you think the sky is falling, it's going to be falling. And, yeah, look to Twitter. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For I that mean, yeah. point. To or, be, or Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My Twitter following, they are hardcore. People know their stuff. Yeah. I mean, those people, there are real estate nerds who know everything about the housing situation. That are pouring um, over data. It's crazy to oh, go on yeah. Twitter and watch these, the YVR type uh, analyst or whatever. I'm just, yeah. I'm just constantly surprised. Yeah, you don't know who they are. You think, are you some kind of like, you know, economist or something? Like, I don't, yeah. it's, it's strange. I don't know who they are half the time, but they're fascinating. They're very informed people. And so it keeps you on your toes. I mean, if I get something wrong, I hear about it. It's, yes. it's And that's a good thing. So, I mean, every time a story comes out, there's always, and I've been doing this a long time, but there's always that night before, you know, oh my God, I hope I got everything right. <laughs> Especially when dealing with, <laughs> with numbers. Um, but Andy Yan supplies a lot of information. He's a, he's a great right. um, analyst. He's an academic. He's extremely neutral. He doesn't have any agenda. Um, he's not in any industry. He's just an academic and he's a numbers nerd. And so he's great for supplying data. Yeah, and, we're uh, we're huge fans of Andy Yan here. Yeah, yeah, I think he's got a lot of fans. And, you know, internationally, a lot of international media, when they come to Vancouver, they call him up. You know, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, BBC, they've all talked to Andy Yan. You know, every city should have an Andy Yan, but they don't. Toronto, I don't think, has one. And I don't think Seattle does, because I know there are, even people in Seattle are asking for help. Yeah, there's a lot. What's interesting, remember for years we were saying we just don't have any data. We yeah. just don't have any numbers to back up the foreign buying. Thank God those days are over. I mean, because we actually managed to find some, you know, no thanks to the government. But we actually, because of guys like Andy, we actually found some numbers to support everything. And so finally we can have a discussion now, like the conversation can happen without, you know, this worry that we don't know what we're talking about. Do you, do you think there's an aspect of the real estate market that goes underreported currently? Um, I think that probably what's happening outside of the lower mainland, I think there's stuff happening, or, you know, even in the lower mainland in regards to other sectors of the market, like um, farmland. I think there's stuff happening that, you know, for one thing, people don't care as much. It's not as sexy a topic as residential. But I think, yeah, I think there's stuff happening that we, we aren't really aware of. I've heard from people in the industry that it's something I should look into. I should go up to, I don't know, Prince George or, you know, areas like that and look around. There's a lot of not just farms, but other assets like mines and vineyards. There's, there's a lot of um, real estate being sold right now um, to offshore buyers that is outside residential. I think that would probably be something worth exploring. Yeah, no kidding. That's an interesting. Yeah, if you think about it, I mean, the province, there are provinces that control, they limit the amount of foreign buying in those kinds of properties. 
but we don't. And so, you know, how much are we selling exactly? And is it a concern to supply chain? Like, do we really want to sell off all our farmland? Right. Or the majority of it? According to one industry guy who's really plugged in in that sector of the market, there's a lot of selling going on, and most of it to China. So, yeah, I, I think that needs exploring. I think a journalist with funds, with the backing, like, because journalists to do investigative work, you do need uh, you need backing. You need it, it costs a lot of money to do investigative work. It can take months. And so somebody like, we should get Kathy Thomason on that one and send her out north. <laughs> I think she's moved but, on. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to her about that. That was a joke. Part. We love we love Kathy Tomlinson. We're all for transparency <laughs> We're all here for at the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. That's right. You guys just keep saying that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's what I think needs to be looked at more. And there's probably other topics that I mean, like I say, there's always something. It just never ends. But can we uh, can we completely shift gears here and move to the five wire? <laughs> yeah, we know you have a busy day. Yeah, we know you have a busy day, but uh, we've got five sure. rapid questions. Can you stick around for that? Sure. Excellent. Okay, so uh, favorite area in Vancouver? And you were born here, right? Uh, You're a born yes. and bred Vancouverite. I am. I was born in Dunbar. I mean, I was raised in Dunbar. I was born in PGH. <laughs> and my, so was, and my, my father was is from Vancouver too. He was. He's gone now, but he. Yeah, I'm second generation Vancouver. Wow, it's a, some of the deepest yeah. roots I've, I've ever That's heard right. of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say my favorite neighborhood is Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant. Okay. Favorite bar or restaurant? Well, it's kind of one and the same. I always love sitting at the bar inside a nice restaurant, and my favorite is Savio Volpe. Oh, nice. So you, you guys know that one? There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Adam was just there on the weekend, weren't you? A couple yeah. of weekends ago, but fantastic it's place. It's amazing. Yeah. I know, sure. sitting at the bar, talking to Peter, the guy with the glasses and the black gloves, who does the right. charcuterie or whatever. <laughs> Good glass of wine. That's a pretty great Friday night. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Westside Mansion or Downtown Pentos? Uh, Sounds like you grew up in a Westside Mansion, so... No, then you moved a on to a penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Dunbar used to be middle class. Right, not, right, right. Not, um, it's hard because I love I love old heritage houses and character houses, but a West Side Mansion would be so lonely. There's nobody living in them. Um, I would have to say a downtown penthouse at this point. There'd be more people. Right, right. Where do you bring somebody from out of town? The first place you bring a guest from out of town. I often take them to Gastown. Good answer. Yeah. We always get like Stanley Park, North Shore High Seawall. (laughs) (laughs) Gastown. And last, this is a bit of an audible here, but uh, Jonathan K or Barbara K? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know Barbara, so I have to say Jonathan. Man, that's royalty right there. I know, that's his mom. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the royal family. But yeah, no, Jonathan is great. He's a great editor. I really like working from. All right. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. But uh, so, Carrie, how can people find out more about your work? Uh, they can Google me. If they Google Carrie Golds, 
and ignore all the butter stuff. <laughs> That's what Braden was pointing out, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so annoying. Um, you know, Kerrygold Butter actually sent me a t-shirt once because really? of my name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they can Google me. I'm all over. Especially if they Google Kerrygold and Open Mail, they'll find a whole bunch of stuff. Awesome. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, thanks so yeah. much for your time, Carrie. Yeah, sure. That was fun. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with columnist Carrie Gold from the Globe and Mail. Fascinating conversation with Carrie. Uh, super fun talking to her about kind of the inner workings of the media and also how you know, how she goes about getting her information, how sources, how she writes the story from kind of start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I learned a lot. Yeah. No, it's, um, we're always talking about, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast was because, you know, we thought that we could offer a service of kind of on the ground information in real time. But in terms of the media, I think Carrie Gold's, she's, she's great. She's fantastic. She definitely knows the market. I mean, 10 years of pounding the pavement she and it's interesting. The inner workings. She she approaches it like what she was saying is is kind of similar to our our tip in recent weeks, where you know talking about investing in Vancouver real estate or just in real estate in general, you have to be on top of things in this way where you're not just looking at the numbers, you're not just looking at the listings. You need to be talking to people. You need to be going to open houses. You need to be picking people's brains. You need to be making calls. You need to be consulting with experts. And that's basically what she does from a day to day in her own job. Right? Yeah, you know, sounds I, like I wonder how much she's investing in Vancouver real estate because she's talking to people in the development industry, politicians, people that are focused on potential rezoning There's a story, uh, applications. Matt. I mean, she's well positioned. Did you sure. just Kathy Tomlinson carry gold? <laughs> I just Kathy Tomlinson carry gold. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Uh, but you know, it, we, there was also another missed opportunity. We should have asked her. I know she's a, a ghost writer. Yeah. But I wonder what she's ghost written. That is, that is a question that almost immediately after she hung up, I was like, oh my God. Can I you can't disclose believe we that? Though she's probably got a, like a non-disclosure of some form, right? She, well, then you wouldn't be a ghost writer, would you? <laughs> Who said that? There's a, ghost, there's a ghost in the room. It sounds like. Well, you know, but I'm thinking of the art of the deal that Donald Trump's old book. Like yeah. that ghost writer is now out, uh, very critical of Donald Trump. Right. You know, he's all over the place. So I wonder. But yeah, it would be very. It would be amazing if Carrie's been but, the ghost writer for some real famous. Uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt it. She's she's really good at what she does. She's definitely a good writer. Perfect. So Matt, uh, before we go, we, I just want to point out that uh, if you like this segment, John Seth and the Hoi Polloi, you're in luck because we've got a video on the website, uh, vancouverrealestatepodcast.com slash blog, where we've got the live footage from John going around in the Main Street Corridor, talking to people about real estate in Vancouver in the area. So go check out John Seth and the Hoi Polloi on our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Yeah, and one thing to say about John, I mean, he's he's great in terms of audio, but right. man, the visual really adds. Oh, the bow tie, the bow tie. It's all about yeah, the bow yeah, tie. No, he's, and the he's, blue suit. The yeah. blue suit. No, he's definitely, God, that ghost is back. Uh, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, go check that out. And while you're there, sign up for PCS, Private Client Services. It's the best research tool on the market. You can sign up for it on VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com slash PCS. You're going to see listings you want to see 36 to 72 hours in advance of MLS. You're going to see sold prices. You're going to see days on the market. And we it's have your own new, personal portal. Like it's it's, your, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And what's what's our what's the pitch? 
The pitch is um, that if you're not using PCS, you're standing still while the rest of us are slowly walking by. <laughs> no, no, light jog. It's a light jog. It's a jog. light jog. Okay, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so go check out uh, PCS on our website. Sign up for that. And then, Matt, how can people get in touch? Okay, yeah. We can also set up a PCS account for you. And, and we do have tips on making it a more effective search. So right. get in touch with me anytime. 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com uh, ghost info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com slash spooky and and one last thing september market's coming in a week right we do have that listings promotion and do get in touch because it's going to be a busy one and it's a great time to think about selling your property and we want to help you take care enjoy your week your thousand faces for radio subscribe today Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.